Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career and life forward. Tribe, I am excited and proud to introduce my guest today, someone who I have admired from afar and now lucky enough to speak to with in person today, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. For those who do not know him, Marcus is a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, international keynote speaker, mindset coach to leaders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. He is also the host of the number one news and noteworthy show podcast, I'm sorry, Conscious Millionaire Epic Achiever. Pretty awesome. If you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. And a bit on his backstory, while preparing to deploy for the U.S. Army, Marcus suffered suffered a severe spinal injury that left him paralyzed. After dying on the operating table twice, the surgeon saved his life, but told him he'd never walk again. Having no other option, Marcus started doing some brutal, honest soul-searching looking for lessons to be learned from his injury. And once he started seeing his his adversity as a gift instead of a curse, something miraculous began to happen. And we'll certainly unpack that. And now he speaks, writes, inspires coaches, and so many others to overcome their own adversities, to actualize their personal definition of success and business in every area of life. And today we're going to go into, dig into his life journey to becoming the Bruce Lee of maximizing mindset, kicking ass, choking fear, and throat-punching self-doubt, and a ton more. I know that was a mouthful. I had my kids upstairs that are making lots of noises, but let's do this. Marcus, welcome to the podcast, my man. Uh, man, thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked. This is going to be amazing. It, I, I, you know, it, it's, it, <laughs> we were talking about this before we went on the air. You know, we're living in a crazy time right now. I had to move my studio, uh, you know, downstairs to my den. I'm dealing with my two little co-workers upstairs that are quite rambunctious so we'll try to kind of block them out a little bit here but let's start let's hear about your journey anything that I missed I know there's so much to talk about but anything that I missed that's really crucial to my guests so they really understand you know your life story of what got us to where we are today I mean not really you did an incredible job you've done a lot of research you you covered everything uh what you were touching on today about um the current environment I, I feel that our, uh, the timing of our interview about understanding the, the gift in adversity is absolutely uh, apropos for sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll certainly understand that. And, you know, you talk about this concept of adver- adversity being a gift. You know, it's a blessing in disguise and, you know, it may knock you down um, and how it could leave you a different person or maybe it does not. But one way or another, it's going to transform you. Uh, This is something that I, you know, truly believe in as well. I've gone through adversity in my life and I think most people have as well. But let's unpack it. Let's unpack that gift of adversity. Yeah, it's the thing about adversity is it's it's often almost impossible to to see the silver lining when you're in it, when you're in the heat of it, when you're in the middle of it, if you're in the fray it's really hard to have that kind of optimistic standpoint. The, the problem with it is that if we're able to make it through and survive it, then often when we look back, that's whenever we're able to see the opportunity and the gift. And frankly, adversity doesn't really give a damn about what you feel. It shows up unannounced without, without any sort of announcement. It couldn't care less about what you want and it doesn't take no for an answer. And that's the reality on it. So that's what drives you. That's what forces you to do things. And, 
adversity either forces you to rise to a higher level or it stunts your development right wherever you are. And the reality is adversity is inevitable. It's always going on. And right. adversity is not a competition. We are all going through something uniquely our own, yet that adversity is universal and it's always in, in root. If we look throughout history, even in the 20th century, the very beginning of the century, we had the First World War. We had bank crises. We had the Depression. We had the Second World War. So literally the cycle is there's either a war, a big event, or a pandemic of some sort about every 10 years. Right. So what's yeah. interesting for me is um, – go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. I just had a, yeah, a thought that I'm, par I'm parking for a minute. <laughs> no, no. You're good. The uh, – I – I, I've got a fiance and I have a, she's not my stepdaughter officially yet, but she, I have a, 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 what I call my daughter. Of course. And she is, she's 17 now. So she was literally born around the time of 9-11. Mm -hmm. So for her, she didn't know what 9-11 was. She didn't know about the housing crisis in 2008. So for her, this is literally the very first time she is facing any genuine, real, undeniable brutal adversity in in the world and and so this is helping me a lot it. understand that that's exactly what it is and it is overwhelming and we have a lot of very honest discussions and i'm very real with her and, and i i love her to death and i want her to win but i as as a coach and as a parent so to speak more than more than anything i can't sugarcoat this because i don't want to set her up to fail I yeah. want her to understand this like this is real. This is not something that you can put your head in the sand and hope that it goes away. Put your fingers in your ears and just say, la, 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 la. We the reason why people are scared is because they're ill-prepared. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that nothing breathes confidence like preparation. And if you get caught sideways by this stuff, that's whenever we really have that, that hard time adjusting to it. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of hit on something that's really important. I have a, an eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old daughter and a one-and-a-half-year-old son. And my one-and-a-half-year-old obviously has no clue what's going on. He's literally banging on the gate upstairs, rattling all the way, screaming, Daddy, but my eight-year-old, you know, you know, she was displaced, you know, um, from school th through her routines and not being able to see her yeah. friends. And, you know, she's at an age where she actually does understand that something pretty messed up is happening. But it's hard for her to understand what it really is and what the implications are. I mean, she sees that she sees the external, you know, effects of this, the things that she can't do, she can't see, but, you know, understanding that people are getting hurt and people are dying and that mommy and daddy have to, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a teachable moment and, and it's a teachable moment of, of adversity and how to handle that. Um, and these are core skills to teach our kids, right? There's so many kids out there who, you know, it, it sucks that this is a lesson and this is a circumstance, but I think, and, I, and I'm sure you agree, I don't want to put words in your mouth that this is going to make most of us, most of us so much stronger on the other side. It absolutely is. And that's why we have to have that. We have to have this min mindset affixed to us now, because if we don't, here's what happens. I, I had this thing I called an, an adversity perception cycle. So we run into some sort of adversity, whatever that may be, whether it be financial, emotional, spiritual, psychological, what have you. And the way that we look at the way that we frame it, right? It's just, it's just a cognitive reframe. If I look at it as something that's going to be oppressive, something I loathe something I don't want to do that I'm going to brag, drag my feet. And guess what? Every time I'm exposed to it, every time that cycle repeats and I'm re-exposed to adversity, it breeds this victim mentality. It breeds apprehension. It creates anxiety. Anxiety is choosing not to choose. And that's what so many people do. However, if I can get there and I can be exposed to adversity and say, you know what? This sucks. There's no way around that. This absolutely sucks. If I'm in the ring, getting my ass handed to me, getting in a fight, of course, I can't really help that. However, once I weather the storm, once I go through it, 
Now I'm stronger. And now every time I'm exposed to adversity, I see it as opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to get stronger. It shines a light on my weaknesses. And the reality 100%. is, and the way that we conduct ourselves in the heat of adversity is an indication of how we will do everything else in our life. It defines us. I so mean, this really, is why it really it's does. so important. Yeah, and, I, and I've been and talking to a lot. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of people about the idea of calluses, right? And there's a difference between scars and calluses. If I'm using the analogy, you know, scars are those wounds, you know, the PTSD, you know, those things that really affect us in life. And the calluses are what we build from those, what we build on, on top from from experiences, from hard work, from you know, hard times. Those calluses make us thick, and we're able to you know protect ourselves and absorb. And the stronger those calluses are the stronger we're going to be. And I'll be honest with you, Marcus, I had, you know, I had a breakdown a couple of days ago um, on Monday. It was, you know, the first day of reality sinking in here of true lockdown. My wife was home working and, and I got taken out of my comfort zone. I was displaced from where I work, my routine, uh, lost half my business overnight. And I had to figure out what the hell I was going to do. Um, looked outside, it was pouring rain. I couldn't even leave the house. I mean, cats and dogs pouring. And I just had a moment of weakness and I lost my shit, man. I literally lashed out. I, I acted like someone that I used to be that I worked so hard to change. And I needed to take a walk and I just went downstairs to my boiler room. Literally, I went to the lowest point in my house, the darkest dungeon, and I just sat there. And I was like, who the hell am I? What am I doing right now? And I cleared my head and I focused. And ever since that moment, man, I've been in it to win it. Like I, I recentered and I, and I pulled myself together. And that goes back to two things that you talk about all the time. You talk about strength and will and how important both of them are. And we focus on strength most of the, most of the time. We focus on, on the micro and the macro, but not so much will until it's like really necessary to find that will. And for me, there's a word that I, my word, your word is adversity. My word is tenacity. That's something that I latch onto. And I think will and tenacity go hand in hand. They're brother and sister. What does will mean to you, Marcus? Will is the thing that actually pushes us through whenever everything else has abandoned you, whenever your strength is gone, whenever your motivation is in the can, whenever your friends are gone. Your will is attached to your purpose, it's attached to your, your, your goal, and it's attached to your identity. And all of those things overlap like a Venn diagram, and they give you exactly what happens. So until, the, until those things are all lined up, because when I talk to people, when I work with people like CEOs that are making all this money, and they may have all these dots, but they're not, not, they're either not connected or they're not aligned. And when that happens, now it's almost like you're trying to, to go from LA to Canada to New York to, to Texas. But if you could do everything and put them all in line, you can get where you need to go. You get to Jersey and to Manhattan in one bell swoop as opposed to working on these other things. And that's why it's so important because if you don't have that will that is iron and it creates that resolve, you're always going to get into a situation because whenever we hit adversity, if we don't have that will, that resolve, that tenacity, we'll start having these little conversations. And it's like, well, okay, I'm going to negotiate with myself. Maybe, maybe I'm going to eat all that chocolate cake. Maybe I'm not going to work out today. Maybe I'm not going to follow my routine. Maybe I'm not going to do what I should do for my family. And that one seed of doubt, as, as humans, we don't do moderation well. We just do not. It's not the way we're designed. <laughs> no, so no, I mean, def, it's, not it's for me. Not. It's either all or nothing, man. It's either I'm eating it, drinking it, doing something else uh, to an extreme, <laughs> extreme. I can't just have that one drink. Yeah, it's, dif it's difficult. And so the reality is, if we don't give ourselves any other choice, the choice is simple. 
So that's what it is. So you just say, listen, I do not tolerate that. So if you're going into this thing and you're saying, man, I don't feel like doing that, maybe I can, you need to do a pattern interrupt immediately and say, I don't tolerate that. And whether you say, I don't tolerate weakness, I don't tolerate weak-willedness, I don't tolerate this sort of self-talk, whatever the case may be, that is the thing that will shift you out of this and it'll give you a second to step back because here's what happens. Emotions assassinate the truth. Hmm. So whenever we're in the heat of, the, of that adversity, our emotions are what's running us. So if we're scared right that. now, that's what's running us. And that's what the truth is. But if we can step back and take a breath and say, okay, wait a minute, let me look at this. Um, another thing I talk about is I call it an adversity scale. So it's almost like you get a piece of paper and you write, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is this? 10 is like the worst adversity you've ever been through. And one is like heaven on earth. So for me, my worst adversity was dying and being paralyzed. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So I, so I can look at everything now and say, okay, is it going to kill me? Is it going to paralyze me? Probably not. So I'm going to push. Now, it's not a competition. Adversity is not a competition. You have, you have that perspective, though. So many other people don't have that. I mean, luckily, you know. But look what it's luckily, but we all have it. But we all have a ten, right? Whatever and, that and is. And a scale, we, right? You're right. We all but, have an extreme. Like everyone's is it's perspective. That's you exactly it. That so dark, if you can you actually look at what, the worst, right? So once you go to that dark place, and now you look back and you say, "Okay, I'm uncomfortable right now because I have to work from home or with around the family or whatever." But on a scale of one to ten, it's maybe about a two or a three. It's nothing. Right? And what that does is. Exactly. Now we can step back and we can look at it. It's like when you have a, a friend who's like in a horrible relationship, we can see it because they're not the one in the, we're not the one that's in the ring. We're not the one that's emotionally involved or afraid or have any kind of trepidation, but that person is because emotion is assassinating the truth because they're in the heat of adversity. And that's what we have to do. Step back, take a deep breath and really look at what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so much easier said than done. And you hit the nail on the head about yeah. emotions, you know, affecting us. And, I, and, I, and it's funny, like, I'm kind of laughing as you're saying it, because I'm Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, my breakdown from Monday morning. And you know what, like, in the grand scheme of things, oh, my God, so I'm stuck with my wife and my kids for a couple months. Oh, my God, like, this is a life I chose. What the hell kind of mindset is that? I should be blessed. I should be fucking blessed, man. Right. Yeah. But you know, it, for me, I think it was more dude, I think it was more about just taking out of my routine. I'm a creature of habit. I'm a creature of routine. Um, and having my Zen space, like going to work for me, having my physical workspace. And it kind of compounded with the other realities of that we're in this for the long term, and, and it's going to affect a lot of us. But um, Another piece that you talk about that I want to get into is resistance. You know, resistance is inevitable. And for you, it works like a compass and you turn it into a positive, right? And we talk about the many forms that resistance come in, you know, how you face criticism, how do you jump hurdles? Um, so I want to talk about how we educate and train our children, right? Because our children are a legacy to handle resistance and to synthesize it into a positive. So how do you, how do you work with your, with your, you know, with young people, with your, you know, your, your soon to be daughter, how do you work with children to really get into that resistance, positive mindset? Yeah, I, I look at resistance, uh, you know, Stephen Pressfield kind of coined the term with a, you know, do the work and the war of art, things like that. And I look at adversity like a bigger, meaner version of resistance, so to speak, more uh, adversarial. Um, but what we have to do is, at least for younger kids and, and even for adults, we have to give them one, the space to fail. We have to let them fall down, let them understand that they're not made out of porcelain, let all of that fear wash over them, 
give them the opportunity to embrace that sensation and realize, huh, I mean, this, this is uncomfortable, but this isn't the end of my world. It's not the end of my life. This is, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go ahead and dust my knee off. And I'm going to keep moving forward. If you've seen a child fall down and if we rush towards them and give them attention, what do we do? We, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, we encourage the behavior. And unnecessarily, we actually put into them this, we disempower them. And that's not our intention. As parents, we want to love that child. We want them to win. But we have to understand that, like you said, they have to have a little bit of callus. They have to have a little bit of thickness in their skin because this world does not care about what your opinion is. Adversity shows, shows us no remorse whatsoever. It just is. I learned a long time ago uh, from my great uncle who was in Vietnam. He was like, listen, if we go hunting, he says, the forest is not out to hurt you, but it's not going to do you any favors. There are mm -hmm. no blessings. There are no curses. There are no punishments. There are no wins. There are simply consequences based upon your ability to be prepared for this. And by taking the emotion out of it, again, you look at it, it's almost like a modern day stoic, right? It just shows like you, it. yeah, I mean, if, if things are going badly right now, what are we going to do? I can sit here and whine and moan about it. So to let our kids feel supported enough to know, I'm right here. I'm, I saw you fall down. I'm not going to let you bleed out. I'm not going to let you have a broken yeah. bone. However, I'm going to watch you and say, you can do that. Get up. You're strong. I know you can do it. Get up. You got and now you empower them. Exactly. And now that'll be their impression. And now they'll have that dialogue in their head, right? Yeah, it's interesting too. And you know, I'm a, you know, I, well, I got two, two little ones, but you know, I'm learning on the fly here. There's no textbook for parenting. Um, you know, the, the, the textbook for me are learning, you know, it, it's so crazy, dude. I, I have these, like, I forgot what the stat is, like the earliest memories that you have. I think it's like maybe three or four years old, uh, what that is. But you know, I'm, I'm having these kind of flashbacks, man. Like when I have these interactions with my kids, I'm having this kind of video playing in the back of my head of how my dad interacted with me and those experiences. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's fucking mind boggling. Like I have these moments and it's like putting me in a place of, of joy and happiness. I had a great childhood. My dad was an amazing teacher. Um, but it's also giving me an opportunity to say, okay, what could I do? What could I add on to that? Right? What could I do that I could make them better? What I've learned, what my dad maybe didn't teach me. Right. Cause there's definitely elements of things that maybe my dad didn't teach me. And I think that's how we could help each generation get better and better, but not every dad could do this. Right. But it's, it goes back to that mindset and having those tools to empower you and having the, the foresight to have these teachable moments with your kids. Absolutely. And that's the thing too. I mean, even if, just like you mentioned, even as a parent, we, we try to do everything we can. We try to prepare ourselves and our kids for everything we can. But in the end, there are things that happen that are sort of out of our control. So even what we're dealing with right now, if we sit here and we stay in this like anxiety and this fear, then that's all we're going to propagate. The, but the idea is to understand that just like you were saying, you couldn't control the right, the way, sorry, the, the way that you had to react to things on Monday or the rain for that matter. However, if you were going to go out, yeah, but if you were going to go outside, you could at least mentally prepare yourself and say, it's gonna, I'm going to get wet. I'm going to put on my rain gear. I'm going to go out there. And so if you go out there and you just act surprised or if you're just completely oblivious, of course, you're going to be victimized by everything. Of course, everything that happens is going to feel like it's out to get you. But you have to understand that for, for better or for worse, pain and discomfort are the best teachers. And that's just yeah. the way we're designed. Pain gets our attention. It forces us to look and say, okay, do I have your attention? Okay, here's the lesson. Because for, 
for a lot of us, we're going to repeat the same thing over and over again until that lesson is really, really learned. And if we forget yeah. about it, uh, just like with me, the universe has a way of slapping you in the face to stop everything else to say, hey, I think you forgot about this. Or, hey, I think your ego is too big. Or, hey, I think that you're not actually appreciating what's going on. And that's where it all comes together for me. And, and it's so interesting, too, because when you're in the heat, when you're in the middle of that battle, when you're in the middle of your downturn, when you're at the, bo- when you're at the bottom of that trench, you don't know it's the bottom. You know it sucks and everything, but you don't know it's the bottom until you climb up and you can look down and see what that bottom looks like. And that's such a hard thing too. And I think that's just called life, right? I think that's something that we all experience and how we grow for it. And some people don't do and some people don't. Um, I want to talk about the concept of fear and what it means to you. You know, is fear really the absence of courage? You know, is that what it is? And is it something that you're, you know, is, 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 is that something you're born with or is it developed over time? I mean, how does, how do you overcome fear and how do you teach others to do the same? Fear never goes away. Fear is always there. The fear is, is good because it's actually there to protect us and it's there to keep us alive. It's the way our you know, ancestors were able to do things. The thing is, it's just like anything else. You have to learn to put the fear over here, put it somewhere away from you, be aware of it, but then keep moving forward with whatever you're going to be doing. To overcome fear, as you mentioned with courage, Without genuine fear, we cannot experience and understand our own courage, period. It's very easy to have false bravado, especially on social media today when everybody talks about how they're just going to fucking crush it and they're going to kill it and you know they're motivated 24-7, 365, and they never get off the computer. Um, well, those people are full of shit. Those people have not actually been afraid. Those people have never actually been to a place where they've been pushed to a degree. Or it's where a they front, actually say, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's false bravado. It's very easy for them to say that. What you have to understand is that fear is good because it shows you that there's an opportunity for you to get, to get hurt, to fall down, that there's a, a blind spot somewhere in there. So the fear will never go away. So understand that. But the more you can understand that, the more you can realize that adversity and fear are inevitable. Instead of hoping that it gets easier by knowing that it's constant, it makes it easier. You understand that now I'm always going to deal with this. I'm always going to have to do something like this. I'm always going to have some sort of hardship, whether it be in 10 years or 10 minutes. And by understanding that now, again, that's your shield, that's your thickened skin, that's your capacity to take that damage as necessary, as opposed to just allowing yourself to go out there and be damaged unintentionally or, again, acting like there's no problems and not even acknowledging the damage that you're having to deal with day to day. That's that's tremendous. And I hope you don't mind me asking, um, if we could go back to the time when you, you know, sustain your injury, um, how much of it do you remember? How much of that experience do you remember? Do you remember dying on the table? Like what, what, what was like, what, take us to that experience, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So in 2012, when I was preparing to deploy, I was in uh, upstate New York with the 10th mountain and we were preparing to, I was with the infantry. We were getting ready to go to Afghanistan and, uh, for those of you that remember, that was the year that uh, President Obama was, was getting ready to, to run for re-election. So um, we were, but our deployment kept getting pushed back. So we just kept pushing harder and harder, training more and more. Right. And we had no idea that they were going to, you know, bring all the troops back. And in the infantry, especially 10th Mountain, that's the most employed unit in the history of the military. It's attached to everything. Rangers, Special Forces, Delta, everything. Black Hawk Down, all of those movements, operations, that's what they were part of. So even me at that age, I mean, I was still trying to push more and more. What happened was I ruptured a disc in my neck and it left me paralyzed from the neck down. Hmm. So I go from being 
this upper echelon soldier who was able to do. And I think you remember, um, you've done the background. I was 38 when I joined the military. So I was 40. You were no spring chicken. <laughs> I was no spring chicken. So at 40 years old, everybody else is got kids, got a great family, got a 401k, two cars, garage, blah, 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 blah. At 40 years old, I literally wake up broke, divorced, bedridden, and paralyzed, trying to figure out what the hell do I do with my life now? They send me to the hospital, uh, again, get me in the operating table. Um, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I have a chiropractic background, so I knew that there was something obviously going on. Um, and they were like, listen, just let's get through this and we'll figure it out on the other side. After I start counting down when they put the, uh, the anesthesia on me, I count from 100, I get to about 98. And then it's just very dark and very cold and very quiet. And it's peaceful. And it seemed like it was a second and it seemed like it was an eternity. And then I wake up in the ICU, confused, can't tell, is this a dream? Is this real? Where am I at? Am I AWOL? And then uh, the nurse is like, hey, Mr. Anderson, welcome back to the land of the living. And I don't really know what she means. Not long after that, uh, the surgeon comes in and I'm still paralyzed at this point and I'm in a neck brace now. So what little movement I had before that is completely arrested. It's gone. So he sits at the foot of the bed and he says, you know, you had us scared for a minute there. We lost you. And I don't know what he's, what he means. He's like, listen, you flatlined twice. We didn't know if we were going to get you back either time. Holy shit. Yeah. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. He says, here's the reality. The good news is you get to live to tell the tale. The bad news is this is what you're left with. And so that is a brutal reality to have to face. And like I say, again, like joining the military and just giving everything I could to that, to try to serve my country. My, my great uncle that I mentioned before, he had passed away not long before that. And so he was in special forces, Vietnam, all this stuff. He had like all this regalia. I was a, you know, a pallbearer for his funeral. So seeing a full bird colonel go up and eulogize him and to see man after man go up and just talk about all of his acts of valor and how I'd always wanted to join, to join the military. But like so many of us, we have something that we want to do, but again, we have these excuses. And, and the thing about excuses is we could justify the hell out of them if we want to. So for me, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to school or I'm, you know, I'm getting married or I'm about to get married or whatever it is. And I kept allowing that to happen. And I want everybody to hear me right now. There will eventually come a time in your life when all the things that you want to do will be gone. So if there's something that you want to do right now, start acting on it because that time to not be able to approach it is closer than you think. And I'm not saying that you're going to die on the table or you're going to be paralyzed. What I'm saying is life happens. So if you're a young entrepreneur and you're attacking the grind right now, that's fine. But understand that if you are putting that off, and if you were just elongating your struggle, maybe you find that special person. Maybe you get married. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you adopt. All of a sudden now, all this free time that you have to have these 16-hour days to just kill, now all of a sudden it's eight hours. Now all of a sudden, it may not even be that amount of time. Maybe you have to get a side hustle, real job, to try to make this thing happen. So the opportunities that we have right now, there's something that's called Parkinson's Law. And it says the amount of work that we have will expand into the amount of time that you allow for it. Yes, I know that well. <laughs> yeah, and reading that, man. <laughs> that's it. And for me, for my clients, I talk about it, but I say it like this. 
Without a deadline, time means nothing. So that's what happens. So when you, so when you hear about people that like they're, they're given a, a diagnosis, they have six months or a year to live because they have cancer. Guess what? That last six months of their life, they live it like it's the, the last part of their life. And it's hard to do that without that sort of urgency. But what I'm trying to explain to you is if you can shift your mind properly and if you have enough stuff as leverage, you can get a lot done. So even right now, the people that are going through hardship because they don't have toilet paper, I empathize with you. But we have to understand that in the grand scheme of things, the sun will come up tomorrow. We're going to make it. The world's going to not going to stop turning. And again, that's the lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Real quick, you know, I'd love to just hear a little bit of that comeback journey. Um, How did how did you how'd you get yourself back on I mean, I saw a video yesterday of you doing push-ups, which is incredible. I, I recently connected with Matt Gagnon. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Matt's cool guy. We're talking later this week, and, and I saw him that do his awesome. push-up challenge with his, with his freaking weighted vest on. I'm like, that guy's a boss. Um, yeah, I, and, he, and, he's, yeah, Matt, and he's going through his own he's going through his own shit right now too. Uh, yeah. During this crisis, his family is, is separated from him, but in a in a good place, you know, by, right, by right. design and everything. Um, but let's talk uh, back to you. Um, let's talk about the the comeback story i we all love a great comeback story especially for somebody who dedicated his life to this country man love to see it back on your feet well i i appreciate that um i just i just feel lucky to to have a second chance um honestly what happened was i spent a lot of time in anger i spent months in a bed um pissed off at the world pissed off at anybody that would come in the room to try to take care of me but I realized that the person I was actually mad at was myself because I hadn't had urgency because I realized that I had 40 years of my life to get something done. And it felt like I'd been bitch slapped by the universe. Like they were like almost like God or whatever you believe in it come down and said, you know what? I gave you all this talent. I gave you all these attributes. I gave you all this intelligence. I gave you all these incredible things and I gave you 40 years and you didn't actualize any of it. You did just enough to get by. You played to only your strengths. You didn't try to find any weaknesses to get stronger at. And you were selfish with all of your potential that you could have been helping other people with. So guess what? I'm taking it from you now. I'm going to give it to somebody else who's going to actually work on it. And that's how I felt. I felt very sorrowful. I felt angry. I felt resentment. Because before I got in the military, I had read stories about people who've been seriously injured before. And it sounded compelling, but I was like, that's not going to happen to me. That happens to other people. Guess what? This stuff happens to everybody. It happens to your neighbor, it happens to your family, it can happen to you. So understand that whatever it is you want to get done, that's where the push is. And for me, I went through three months of just anger. I was suicidal. I was suicidal, but I couldn't even act on it. So how disempowering is that? You probably had, you know, these feelings of helplessness. And, and, and you couldn't even do anything about it, right? Like you, 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 there was no control. You couldn't even control your body and somebody wiping your ass and everything. Yep. And, 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 and you're like, what the, what's my worth? What's my self-worth? Why the hell am I on this planet? What am I doing? And, and as you're alluding to, those thoughts got dark. Those thoughts got really dark. Of course they have to. And, and that's what happens. So even right now in, in the time that we're in, not knowing what's going to happen is actually worse than what actually happens most of the time. So in times of uncertainty, what you have to do is what I did, which is I couldn't control anything in my body. The only thing I could control was at that time, my breath. I took a deep breath over and over again. That forced my body to go into like the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxed state where it actually allowed me to start looking at what was going on to see what I was doing. 
Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's an absolutely incredible story. And I, and I hope it really truly resonates and, and motivates and inspires everybody that no matter what, you know, there's always, I hate to say there's always somebody worse than you because you're always in your own shit and you got to deal with that. And I kind of don't like when somebody says that to me because I'm dealing in that moment. But what I really want to do is I want Marcus's story to add perspective, right? I want you to be able to take a mindset approach and say, you know what, this is temporary. This is not permanent. This is not going to define me. This is not going to define everything that I do from this point. Um, and Marcus, your story is incredible. And I really appreciate sharing. It, it, it really is like a truly inspirational journey. And the fact that you are now giving back to millions with your story and, you know, what is that one takeaway that like, if someone meets you for the first time, if someone, you know, gets into your journey, what's that one takeaway that you want them to walk away with? I want them to not put me on a pedestal and think that I'm something unique because what that does is that allows them to give themselves a buy on what they're capable of. Um, don't say, Oh, well you're in the military or you've been doing martial arts your entire life or you're this big, strong guy. It's like, no, I'm not any different than you are. I just made different decisions and then try to follow through on them. We're all incredibly strong. We're all incredibly powerful and we don't know what we're capable of until we hit that hardship. So in the end, you're only as strong as the adversity that you overcome. And so if you're facing something right now, if you're going through something difficult, understand that on the other side, there is something for you to learn. And sometimes if the thing that you're going through is a cycle, maybe the thing that you need to learn is to not get yourself in that cycle. If you're in drugs, if you're an alcohol, if you're in this horrible toxic relationship or environment, understand that's why you keep going to the same thing over and over again. This is your respawn point. You have to decide what you want to do with that. I love that, man. I absolutely love it. And Marcus, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. That's Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do concept quote. And uh, I think that it's perfect for everybody, whether it be an entrepreneur or whether it be an adult, a, a, a parent, like you were saying, th there are things that will resonate with us. And that stuff is there for a reason. If it gets your attention, hold on to it. There's going to be stuff that may not resonate with you, and that's okay. So if everything that you're saying, if everything that you listen to Adam's podcast makes sense to you, that's fine. But there are going to be certain parts of it that you're going to be like, I don't like that. You don't have to have all of it. You can just take what you like. It's a buffet. And then that allows you to create something that is uniquely your own. And that's what allows you to give your own style, your own finesse, your own signature component. Yeah, man. Uh, value comes in many different forms, right? And you take pieces of it, you know, from people. And there's many people that I absolutely, you know, hold on a high pedestal myself, and I don't agree with everything they say. Um, what would you say is your superpower, right? Like, what do you what, what do you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you truly who you are? I have uh, 360 unconditional gratitude about everything. So uh, for me, that gratitude is what saved me, I believe, in in the bed, because I eventually realized that if I'd have been deployed when this happened, if I'd have been in Afghanistan and I would have been injured, then that means my team would have been compromised. That means the helicopter that would have had to fly in to come get me would have been in danger. Right. And all there were, you know, 30 or 40 other people whose lives would have been put in harm's danger. So I'm, I remember thinking that and I was like, wow, I'm lucky. And literally after I started seeing my adversity as a gift instead of a curse, a week after having genuine gratitude for the bed that I may never get out of and the room that I may never leave, I started getting a little bit of feeling back in my fingers. So I never go away from that. That's my compass from here on out. That's, that's incredible. And last but not least, when you were literally on that operating table, you know, on your last breath, right? And you came out of that and, you know, you were told you were never going to walk again. You told that, you know, it would be an incredible journey to get you back to where you are. 
and you had to look down deep inside and, and find that and find that tenacity. And in turn, where you're sitting right now today and having this extreme ultimate level of 360 gratitude, something pulled you, something you had to look to. Marcus Aurelius Anderson, what is your North Star? My North Star is adversity. That's what pushes me. That's my true North. That's what gives me everything I need to do because the thing that you are trying to find the answer to right now is hidden in the adversity that you are avoiding. If you're in business and you're having a hard time getting customers, but you don't like making cold calls, guess what your problem is? If you're having a hard time getting your business plan together, if you're having a hard time with a relationship because you don't want to have a conversation, guess what? Everything you want is in that conversation that you are afraid to have. If you feel like you're out of shape, if you feel like you're, you're not doing what you need to do physically, everything that you want is on the other side of that adversity. That is your indicator. That is your true north. That is the thing that you should be looking for. And if you can't do that every day, then you're going to find yourself in even more adversity in the long run. I love it, man. Marcus, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I, I greatly appreciate you. Um, let's please stay in touch, man. I, I think there's a lot of synergy here. I think we could you know, find opportunities to help each other out and grow. Um, where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Absolutely. Uh, if you want to connect to me on LinkedIn, tell me that you heard, heard us here on the podcast. I would love that. Uh, you can find me at MarcusRealiesAnderson.com. I'm on all the socials under Marcus Relius Anderson. My TEDx talk is free. It's called The Gift of Adversity. My book is called The Gift of Adversity. And I think that everything that we talked about in here can hopefully help people. And uh, that's the idea. Awesome. Brother, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, my friend. Awesome. And everyone listening, I truly appreciate everyone taking the time. I know how valuable that is. Uh, and it means a lot for everyone to spend that time with me and hopefully get so much value from my guests like Marcus and all the other ones. You know where to find us, thepodcast.com. Please be sure to follow, click link, subscribe. Remember, take your offline, online, your online offline. I say this a million times and I screwed it up, but thank you for joining us. Take care of each other. Remember to wash your hands and be good. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.